You're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 328. Welcome to part four of the Channel Island Way series, sponsored by visitguernsey.com and based upon the guide, The Channel Island Way, published in 2011 by Coast Media. The book links together all the coastal walks around the islands of Alderney, Guernsey, Herm, Jersey and Sark to create a continual 110-mile route. We were invited by Visit Guernsey to walk sections of the guide and produce a series of podcasts about the journey, the islands and some of the people we met en route. You join us following our return to Guernsey from Sark as we start the coastal path on a lovely June morning. We arrived back from Sark just over 24 hours ago and we spent the first evening in the two-star Sunny Croft Hotel which is tucked up Constitution Steps just uh, with easy walking distance from the, uh, the port in St, uh, in St Peter's Port. Uh, a very pleasant evening there as we wandered around the shops and just sort of took in the sights really of, uh, of what, uh, what the place has to offer and there's, there's plenty of everything that you would normally want here, uh, camera shops and, and accessories and there's even an outdoor shop or two. Yesterday we met uh, Jill Girard, who is a gold-accredited guide, and she took us around to various key points on the Channel Island Way on the coast uh, and gave us lots of information, much more information than we could actually glean from countless books and pamphlets. She was an absolute wealth of information. What we're going to do is we're going to do the walk uh, today. It's now a Saturday morning. We're starting from St Peter's Port, heading uh, the way the book describes, and we're going to see how far we go. Um, as we go along, uh, Jill will drop in a few comments and a bit of story, a bit of information, which I'm sure you'll find interesting and makes the, the whole trip uh, much more informed. So we're starting from uh, Castle Cornet, which is uh, right on the edge of the port, and here's Jill to explain the history of St Peter's Port and a bit more information about where we're actually standing. Well, we're standing in front of St Peter's Port at the moment. Um, It's a really attractive port, and you can see from where we're standing the medieval port, um, and the town developed from the medieval port along the coast and it wasn't until people with more wealth could build the larger houses and go up the cliff that the town extended to the size that we see it is today. And one of the reasons that we were and have been so prosperous is because of our geographical position. The fact that Guernsey is the outside Channel Island and we had the advantage of having deep sheltered anchorages on the east coast of the island away from the prevailing westerly winds. So how did people navigate to get round to here and then over to the UK? Well it was very unsophisticated navigation in those days but they would coast up up the coast of Europe um, and then Guernsey was a sort of very natural port of call before they then made their last sort of dash across to the south coast of England and ports like Hensbury Head uh, on the south coast were a, a destination for them. And, and has this been a route that people have done going, can you trace it back, hundreds of years? Yes, long, long time. So we've got a, um, a re- evidence of a Roman wreck in what is now the entrance to the New Harbour, but it would have been offshore when it was uh, wrecked. 
and for a long, long time we've been um, quite an important port um, and a lot of this is to do with the fact that we're what is called an entrepot which because of our situation, the fact that we're part of the British Isles but not part of the United Kingdom and in 1204 when King John lost Normandy back to the French the Channel Islands were then given the choice of remaining part of Normandy or becoming British and the British offered us for our loyalty self-government so that was a big carrot we became self-governing we could set our own taxes and duties so this again helped with our prosperity because we had much lower taxes and duties than um, England, France And so we became an international destination for the sort of buying and selling of luxury goods. Oh, and and still may you prosper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in a nutshell then, we're looking at at the developed harbour and the first row of buildings you were saying actually was all to do with wine. Um, Yeah, there were a lot of wine warehouses and nearly all the properties along the front, if you look carefully into them, even some of them that have been modernised, you can still see the old vaulted ceilings all along the seafront. There were about 30 uh, prosperous wine merchants and their sellers all along the seafront. Um, and a lot of those buildings are still as they were in the sort of 17 and 1800s. Was it typical of the Victorians that, that they really started the sort of the tourist, tourism yes. you know, in a heavy way and then you did all this development here? I mean, the harbour was extended in the 1860s just because of the amount of trade that was, that was being brought into the island. At the same time, we have another port further up the coast at St Sampson's, which is, um, was developed solely for the export of granite, because we had a huge granite export industry in the 1800s. And the harbour was extended over... I mean, when you have a look at the old photographs or the old paintings of the seafront, I mean, the beach came right up to the sort of shop fronts, really, that are shops now. And it was developed, yeah, because of the, all the increased trade. And we're standing on the... I see we've got the harbour on our right-hand side. On the left-hand side, we've got this sort of artificial lake. What's the story here? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the model yacht pond. When they were redeveloping the harbour, they built it over a natural rocky outcrop called the White Rock, and that had a huge rock pool, which the Victorians used for sailing their model boats on. So they replaced the natural rock pool with an artificial model yacht pond, and it's still used to this day by owners of model yachts and motorboats but also there's a a lovely charity on the island called the sailing trust and they teach the children the tiny tots to sail on the model yacht pond now oh great safe environment to do so that's right yeah and lovely to see when they've got all got their sails up it looks really nice that's what uh, people will see when they first arrive now most of our listeners will obviously be on foot so just tell me how the the infrastructure works on the island as regards uh, public transport and campsites and getting to and from and so on Right, well, we have two very good campsites on the island and I think a very good bus service and especially good for people who enjoy walking is the -the round-the-island route which goes in opposite directions every half an hour and runs really quite close to a lot of the walking paths. So the advantage of that, I think, is that when you're walking perhaps from St Peterport, you only have to go for 10 minutes probably from the centre of St Peterport um, and you'll be on the East Coast Cliff Path. And then two, perhaps two hours till you get to the South Coast. And then once you get on the South Coast, the South Coast is the most demanding part of, of walking in Guernsey, I think. Um, it's beautiful, but lots of, um, lots of steps, ups and downs, um, and quite rugged. So 
if you feel worried about the distances and how long it's all going to take you, you've got the sort of reassurance that the bus route is only probably about a quarter of a mile inland. So you can walk until you're tired and not have to worry about getting back to somewhere or... Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a really nice combination. So for people who are arriving that perhaps want to do, either want to start walking straight away, they literally step out of the port there and turn left or right and start on the path. If they want to go to a campsite, first of all, and obviously unload all their gear before they start, start again, the, the bus station is, is what, just behind me. Yes, the bus station's really centrally placed in St Peterport, um, and the, both campsites will be close to a bus route, uh, not quite on a bus route, but within minutes, really, of walking from okay. a bus stop. And I understand you do, or they do, weekly tickets or something? That's right, bus yes, yes. It's a pound a journey normally, but if you buy a weekly card, I don't know quite how much it reduces to, but it's, it's a lot less. Saving. Yeah, yeah. With over a million listeners worldwide, the Outdoor Station is the leading online audio resource for those into the great outdoors. We've been walking for about an hour now out of St Peter's Port on a glorious, glorious Saturday morning. What can I say? The sky is blue, uh, the sun is beating down, it's, it's a June day. It's a typical good June day. The sea is gorgeous, uh, there's countless people out enjoying uh, the, the sea, yachts, uh, fishermen, um, leisure boating. And then uh, we're looking across at the moment to Herm Island and Sark Island and the ferries are doing a a great trade going back and forward and we're right underneath the flight path into Guernsey Airport so if you hear a plane going over that's exactly what it is as, uh, as a lot of people suggested we, uh, when we went via for Main Bay which is the first Main Bay you, uh, you get to coming out of St Petersport it's a very very European uh, little destination there seems to be a, a lot of these kiosks or as, as we're told and, and as we're finding kiosks in, in mainly all of the bays and all the key areas that offer facilities toilets as well as um, refreshments but that particular one looked looked beautiful didn't it yeah it was quite quite plush wasn't it <laughs> crab sandwiches with salmon and prawn darling but um no it did look quite delicious lots of um cold beers and uh pasta dishes quite italian actually looking uh, very much the temptation to, to stop and enjoy a leisurely lunch almost. Yeah, but we hadn't really earned it yet. <laughs> we hadn't been out for like 20 minutes, half an hour. I know, hour. but it was a lovely temptation. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we've sort of kitted ourselves out really for, uh, for, for summer walking, I suppose. Um, and, and we're pleased we, we did. We've, we've sort of, in our approach to things, as you, most people will know, we go lightweight. So we're, uh, we're down to um, our approach shoes, trainers, pair of shorts, um, and we're trying out some uh, merino tops, merino wool tops from a company called Embers, which suit our needs, actually, not only technically from the materials uh, and the fact that they don't pong after you've been using them for a while, uh, but they look very casual, very, um, very summertime styling, uh, which is uh, slightly different to the, to the normal um, merino wool tops, which are usually black or blue. And uh, as, as you all have gathered from this particular visit, we're, we're sort of mixing between actually doing the walk, so we have to be functional, and also meeting um, uh, local dignitaries and uh, hoteliers and obviously uh, flash packing at one end and camping at the other end. We don't want to carry very much, and these have uh, suited the job. Yeah, they've been really comfortable and work really well. Look, feel, feel smart, but also re- it's really functional. 
Well, as another plane comes over us now, uh, we think we'll head off towards uh, St Martin's Point and enjoy uh, the rest of the morning with this, uh, this glorious weather and keep our fingers crossed it continues for the rest of the day. We're standing at Jerburg Point, which is where the east coast of Guernsey meets the south coast. It's also called St Martin's Point. And there's a lovely cliff path walk from St Peterport all along the east coast. It's a lovely walk to do in the mornings because the sun is rising on the east coast. In the springtime, there's a really lovely bluebell wood, which is spectacular when all the bluebells are out. And halfway along the walk between St Peterport and Jerburg Point is a lovely beach called Fermain Bay. Um, there's a lovely beach cafe there, so a good place to stop for either something to eat or drink. Um, and then you can continue on the path to Jerburg Point. I suppose you take about, if you did it gently, two and a half hours, three hours walk. Um, quite demanding. The cliffs in Guernsey aren't... Uh, flat <laughs> and there's lots of ups and downs and lots of steps but um, the views are spectacular. So we're certainly rewarded here with a view of all the other islands and France as well. That's right you can a fabulous uh, view today yeah Alderney, um, Sark, Jetu, Brecu, Jersey and the coast of France in the distance which is lovely. And what's beneath us on this point? We've got um, a little headland, I say, called St Martin's Point, and uh, the little white building at the very point is, in fact, the um, Foghorn. Um, it's a really good fishing point here, and at the weekends you'll see lots and lots of private boats out on the point, uh, off the point, fishing. And we've got the fourth highest tidal range in the world here, so there's 33 feet between high and low water, which makes a huge difference to what you see on the coastline, depending on the tide. So um, at the moment you can see there's one rock just exposed with a marker on it, but a lot more of that will be showing at low tide, and at high tide nothing will be seen, so it's really quite tricky being in a boat around the coast here. Beneath us, I see we've got sort of a lot of concrete here. I take it's one of the German fortifications. That's right, yes. Yeah, the coastline is um, quite littered with German um, bunkers and anti-tank walls and towers. A lot of them, fortunately, now are quite hidden by undergrowth and you can't really tell a lot of the time that there's actually a bunker or something there. But the Germans, um, really out of all proportion, built up to 700 different fortifications and walls and tunnels and towers while they, they, they were here for five years. And most of them are still here. Some they've restored now. They've realised it's an important part of our history and you can actually go inside and see how they worked. Um, a lot of them, like this one here, is, is closed up and you can't get inside. Guernsey's very relaxed. I'm not entirely sure what the trespass law is, but I've never come across anyone being prosecuted for trespassing on your land. And, um, I mean, if you do happen to wander down somebody's drive thinking it's a footpath, they will be delighted to see you probably and just put you on the, on the right track. So I always say to people, just relax about sort of perhaps feeling a bit lost, not quite knowing where you are. You're never going to be lost for long. And people are really helpful if you're stood on a corner with your map out and not quite sure where you are people will always stop and help you there's a network of, of lanes in some of the parishes and they're called Rouet Tronquille it's quite new the last probably three years 
the parishes have designated some of the smaller lanes as Ruit-Tronquil and it's um, a 15 mile per hour speed limit and priority is for walkers, cyclists and horse riders. There's a mutual respect then, or a respect for, for people that are doing that on self-powered travel. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, the whole, in the Rurchon Keels, they are actual roadways, but very narrow r- lanes. And I mean, the whole speed limit on the island for a car is top speed limit is 35 miles an hour. And in the Rurchon Keels, it's only 50 miles an hour. And when you have a look at them, they're so narrow and windy, you can't go very far. So there's a real respect and courtesy on the roads for everybody. You know, everyone has, a, has their place, really. We've certainly seen a lot of these little paths uh, that sort of go down to the rocks and, and sort of crisscross um, the bits of the island we've seen so far. Uh, and you're saying there's a lot of fishermen's paths. Fishing, fishing's a very big pastime here. Yes, that's right. I mean, because we have this lovely big tidal range, it's a granite island, the water's really clear. We get a lot of really good shellfish, premium fish, bass, turbot, John Dory are all caught, mackerel all caught around the island's coast and the fishermen will have very old traditional little footpaths that go right down to rocky outcrops on, on the coast which you know, have been handed down from sort of generation to generation. Their secret little place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You can see fishermen. I mean, today I can see them right down in the distance on the end of a, a rock. And really, I'm not too sure how they've got there. But yes, there's lots of these little paths around the cliffs. So people that are interested in perhaps uh, do a little bit of fishing themselves or want to uh, feed themselves, should we say, from the sea, this is obviously all the seafood is available around the island. Isn't yes. it? Is there a particular area which is a good area, do you know? No, that each fisherman will have his own special area. But off the rocks on the south coast, you'll see a lot of um, rod fishermen but then you'll also if you look carefully into the sea lots and lots of lobster and crab pots and these are for sale in there's a a seafood uh, fisherman's cooperative near the harbour which is a good place to go to buy local fresh fish Um, but if you want to do it yourself I mean you see people bass fishing off the beach on the west coast Uh, you know all over the island really there's different different people fishing. An hour on from where we stopped at St Martin's Point, uh, which is just on the corner there by Joburg Point. We're now uh, just above Saints Bay, and then beyond here, just around the corner, is uh, Ickart Bay. Again, the weather has been uh, been very kind to us, uh, and the terrain has been fairly steady, uh, undulating coastal path terrain. Yeah, quite a mixture, really. There's um, some some wooded parts, which are really good. There are some sort of quite open cliff uh, expanses which you'd expect with um, sort of bracken and uh, uh, open grassland almost um, always fantastic views of the sea quite a lot of steps we've been really glad to have brought our trailblaze poles um, lightweight poles which have just eased, eased the pressure on the old knees up and down um, but it's been a fantastic walk so far I really enjoyed it you can see why people are really into their slow gin around here because the uh, the slow bushes are just everywhere. So I should imagine they'll be a fantastic crop when they uh, they come into fruit. The other reason this uh, walk's so good is you can the, using the Channel Island Way book. It very clearly tells you at at each sort of little start of each section of the coast how many how many miles from point to point. But also when you get there, whether there's a kiosk and toilets and and uh, so forth. 
And so, so my incentives have been, well, when we get there, we can have a piece of cake and a cup of tea. <laughs> and uh, it actually saves you having to carry lots of bits and pieces with you as well. To be fair to the to the book, it has helped on a few few occasions as well. The the paths there are there are plenty of paths uh, in on the coast, coming to and from the road in in different ways, and occasionally you get to a T junction which are, is is unmarked or marked perhaps incorrectly, and they just clarify that. So it has been very very useful to just stop every now and again and refer to that. Uh, we've seen um, lots of other people walking, a lot of um, uh, casual walkers, shall we say, and footwear-wise, everything from heavy boots to, to, to trainers. Uh, certainly it's a type of walk you can do comfortably in trainers, um, but we've seen a, f- a few people that seem to have come out dressed for winter in, in wax jackets, and uh, they looked uh, really uncomfortable. Otherwise, uh, we're just keeping it light, keeping it simple, enjoying the breeze, enjoying the sunshine, and moving fairly swiftly, but at the same time, making sure we stop and appreciate the views and, as Rose quite rightly says, at the occasional piece of cake. This one's called Saints Bay. The south coast is where the cliffs are, so it's about 300 feet high and lots and lots of little coves, which change because of the tide. So at high tide, there's not very much of the cove, but at low tide... They often expose a really sandy, lovely sandy beach. They all have facilities, you know, toilets, cafes, that sort of thing? Yeah, most of them do. I think one or two that perhaps don't, but most of them do. They'll all have um, public toilets and a little beach cafe. And, you know, during sort of, well, busy seasons when the weather's good or whatever, uh, whether it's peak summer or whatever, do do the beaches, do the coves get busy? No, (laughs) especially on the south coast now, because most of them you can't park close to. The, the, the beaches so you have to park and walk and people seem to be doing less and less of that these days so you can always find a quiet spot um, and they're never never overcrowded especially on the south coast the west coast easier to get to uh, you perhaps find more people in certain areas but as soon as you walk 100 yards one way or the other you'll be you could be completely on your own it's lovely to be able to find these quiet spots the, the walking generally, um, certainly looking at the cliff path, there's a lot of climbs and descents, isn't there? Would you, would you describe it as tough walking? Yes, especially in the really sort of the height of the summer. There's not a lot of shade, so it's hot, really hot. And you, yes, you're right, there are steps up, and you know as soon as you've gone down a flight that you're going to be faced with a step, uh, a flight of steps coming up. Um, but that gives you the sort of the fantastic views. You know, you're high up a lot of the time, so... It's, it's just gorgeous to, to be up there. But I'd say it's fairly demanding, the, the walking on the cliffs. So on, the, on this particular part of the coast, on the, on the west coast, it's a lot easier, I presume? Yeah, that's right. By the time you get to the end of the south coast, on the west coast at Plymouth, you drop down to sea level and then you're walking on a completely flat coastal path, uh, sometimes a little bit on the, on the roads, but um, they've created a soft, sort of gravelled, path through the sand dunes um, and you can hug the coast all the way around on the, on the west coast and up to the north and then right round back to St Peterport is completely on the flat so once you've got to Plymouth Point if you're doing it in that direction you've done the south coast cliffs once you've dropped down onto the coast you're you're on the flat. Okay don't tell me about the times of year to walk because I presume from the vegetation here that's clinging to the cliffs and in every angle that we look at they must present a real portfolio of colour during springtime. Yeah the, the spring is absolutely fabulous the spring flowers just sort of 
tumble over the paths. There's, um, I mean, we get and we get a very early spring here, so we can sometimes have violets. I've seen violets in the sort of crevices of the steps before Christmas. I mean, that is exceptionally early, but the spring flowers, the violets, the primroses, the celandines, and then the bluebells, white wild garlic, the pink campion, all tumbled up together, and they just look spectacular. So uh, that's a lovely time to be here. The autumn again is a nice time too when um, it's not quite as hot. I think in the middle of the summer it can be quite hot. Um, and as I said, there's not a lot of shade, so you have to be careful because the sun, the air is clear and you can really get uh, caught out in the sun if you're not careful. So really for people looking to do this sort of coastal walk and take on, take on board the, the book, obviously, it's not so much the tourist season to worry about with July, August, but actually just the, the sheer heat. That's right. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, the heat's the worry. I mean, I love walking on the cliffs all year round. I mean, when it's wild and windy in the winter, it's never really cold here. We never, uh, I used to say, we'd never get um, a frost, but we actually had snow last year, which was a big event for Guernsey for two days. The temperatures in the winter are never really bitingly cold. So once you start walking on the cliffs in the winter, you soon warm up and you can, you know, you can be almost in a T-shirt even in the middle of the winter. You were talking about part of the infrastructure uh, earlier on as we came down here, about the water stations. Tell me a bit about those. Yes. Uh, well, Guernsey's got no rivers, but um, we have a reservoir built in the middle of the island in a flooded valley. Um, but all the streams that run down to all the south coast beaches have little pumping stations near the beach. And when we need to, this water that runs normally um, onto the beach and into the sea is pumped back up to the reservoir. And we also um, store water in some of the old disused quarries. So we've got a really good record now of we store more water than we actually use and we haven't had any sort of hosepipe bans for years and years now so that's really good that's very good management isn't it when you think think of the size of the island yes yeah i mean we've got lots and lots of springs you'll see as we're driving around lots of little um springs and wells around the lanes and are are people able to you know to help themselves with water from that if they're walking around the coast yes yeah i mean a lot of them in this parish that we're in in st martin's they've gone out of their way to restore a lot of the old springs and wells and they've put doors on the front um, and if they're open you're yeah completely free to help yourself and in in sort of Guernsey folklore there's a lot of value put on the water they thought they were magical and mystical the wells and the water and in fact I think after sort of analysis they found that the minerals in the in the local water is you know very very beneficial so yeah fill your boots <laughs> You're listening to the award-winning UK Business Podcaster of the Year. The home of UK-based audio and video podcasts for lovers of the great outdoors everywhere. Podcasts are based solely around self-powered travel. This is the Outdoor Station. It's now five and a half hours since we started from St. Peter's Port Harbour and uh, we've made it to Petite Bot Bay uh, where we had some refreshments as recommended by my walking partner. We had tea, we had milkshakes and we had cakes so we are suitably refreshed now for uh, the next little part of our walk. 
But to be fair, it's been a warm day and uh, a lot of people that we've seen uh, en route have uh, discussed how uh, tired they are and, uh, and so on. And it would be worthwhile just reminding people that there are quite a few um, exits, if you like, from the path uh, on a fairly regular basis, which point you back to the main road. And there is a sort of a main ring road that runs at the circumference of Guernsey. And it does, in fact, have uh, two buses on it, the 7 and the 7A, one going clockwise, one going anti-clockwise. And just at a quick glance at the timetable, uh, they run about every 20, 30 minutes. So, uh, you know, when you start to feel tired and you want to head back, then, um, then you can do so. We're going to try and press on to Torta Vale, which is about another four miles. Uh, and in the hope that we finish in enough time to catch the bus... Uh, to get back to the campsite, which is up on the northwest coast, uh, and visit the supermarket should we need to. But on the way to the bus stop, we're hoping that we might pick up uh, some hedge veg. And uh, in that particular area, Tortavale and onwards, apparently is really good for fishermen. So if there's any fishermen there that may have some spare catch, as it were, uh, we can, if there's a sign on the door, we can knock on the door and pick up some fish, which would be a real treat. Uh, talking about, about the buses, one thing we did discover after talking to Jill and going to the bus station today was any bus trip anywhere costs you a pound. However, if you buy an Omar ticket, and there's two types of ticket, there's a £15 ticket, it costs you a pound for the ticket and then £15, and that credits you for 20 journeys. The good thing about it is that one ticket will... Uh, it doesn't matter how many people use one ticket. So if two people get on the bus, you just tap the ticket twice or three people three times and your credits slowly disappear. Uh, there's a £25 ticket which lasts you for 50 journeys. Uh, and obviously if you've got a family or you're staying for some time, then uh, that's really good value because it works at about 30 pence uh, a trip, I believe. But as we're here only a couple of days and probably only using the bus uh, for a few times as we've got to hire bikes, then uh, we will probably just pay the pound a ticket. Sadly, the last bus, I believe, is 8 o'clock in the evening, uh, which doesn't really allow for trips into St Peter's for a restaurant or whatever and then getting back to to the campsite. So, as I say, we're hoping to pick up uh, hedge veg and some fish and whip up a little soups on, on our, um, our little camping stove, don't you think? That sounds perfect. <laughs> We've got a bottle of wine sitting there ready, so uh, that's the important part. So we'll see how we get on and well, we'll plod on now. We're now at the, the Goof, or Lamoy Point, which is more or less halfway along the south coast. And from here on towards the west, it really is quite rugged. And there are certainly very few, if any, facilities in terms of beach cafes or toilets or anything like that. It's a, and, the, and the cliff, the scenery itself, becomes more and more rugged as you get towards the west coast. Um, and for me, it's uh, my favourite part of the cliffs, probably. Well, there's a lovely display of colour down there from, uh, I understand, Mesembryantheums. That's right. All planted by the seagulls. <laughs> um, and there are a few little uh, spots on the cliffs that look like that. And it's a lovely time of year to see all the bright pinks of the flowers. So how far uh, from here to the next point where there would be facilities for people? Um, from the goof, really, your next... Your next stop will be Plymal Point, which is the very end of the south coast cliffs. In terms of time, probably a three-hour three walk. It, it's quite challenging, the second half, because 
lots and lots of steps. <laughs> so hence I can see well, the reason why that cafe at the bottom of the road there is quite popular. Yes, very. <laughs> I mean, this is a nice uh, stopping point. If you're walking from St Peterport to here, you'll have had a really good walk. Um, and, it's, you know, the, the main road isn't very far away to catch the bus back to your campsite or wherever you're staying. We're at Plymore Point, which is the end of the south coast cliff path and where the south coast joins the west coast. And at that point, you drop down to sea level. But we're still high up on the cliffs, very, very rugged at this, this end and quite spectacular. It's a great place for people who like watching birds. Um, not only do we have a, a resident local population of seabirds and other birds, we also get a lot of visiting migrating birds stopping off here to feed and rest before they continue on their migrations in the spring and the autumn. So bird watchers love being out here. It looks, from, from where we're standing now, it looks like an extremely rural area, a very rural community. Yes. Um, well, the fertile part of, of Guernsey is, is the sort of south coast up to sort of halfway up the island, really, halfway up the triangle, um, where the land is fertile and all the properties were built originally as farmhouses. So you've got lovely buildings, well spaced out because they're surrounded by their farm fields um, and yes a very rich agricultural history on this part of the island when you get towards the north and the west on the west coast you get all the fishermen and all their fishing cottages but as you get towards the north which is flat and much much sandier soil um, it's much more densely populated and not as many um, farmhouses in the north the uh, hedge veg is obviously a, a very much a Guernsey tradition. Would you like to explain that to people? Yes, it's people selling their excess produce on their hedge on their hedges in front of their farms or properties. So they leave out um, whatever they've grown that they don't need to use themselves, and it can be really extensive sometimes. I mean, lemons, garlic, um, lots of new potatoes in the spring, tomatoes all sorts of things, aubergines, peppers, you name it. Um, and they lay them out uh, on their hedge and they leave an honesty box and you just help yourself to what you need and there's a little sign to tell you how much it costs and you pop the money in the box. And you say this is the same for fishermen as well? Yes, okay, there's a few places. Um, it might be a little bit harder as a visitor to find them, but there are a few places on the West Coast where the fishermen will put a sign up and sell their catch mainly at the end of the week. So Thursday, Friday and Saturday you'll see a sign up and you go perhaps to their garage and, and they're, I mean they're fresh, what they caught for the day, so it can be lobsters and crabs and, and fresh fish. Fantastic. So really then people should keep their eyes open whether they're walking or cycling around because presumably if they get off the bus off the, the main ring road, as it were, they'll see lots of these. They come down the side path to the, to the crystal path. That's right, yeah. I mean, they're dotted about all over the place. And in fact, this year, some students have created a hedge veg book that I think oh, you really? can buy. Oh, and it's pictures of all the hedge veg and what they sell and where they are. So that might be a useful little addition to your, your pack when you come to stay. Because Something I to pick up in the information yeah. centre. <laughs> yeah, but um, as locals, we get to know the good ones. So you know where they'll, they'll have good aubergines or they'll have good new potatoes and good asparagus. So you get to know which ones to head for at certain times of the year.
So. But people who are going back to the coastal walk, then, if they want to pick up sort of basic provisions, that I presume there's lots of little mini sh- supermarkets or shops dotted around. Yes, yeah, um, yes. We haven't got any huge supermarkets, um, although I'm saying that we have. Waitrose arrived about uh, six weeks, two months ago, so that's a great excitement in the island. But there's some lovely little independent shops. One particularly near the airport, uh, run by a family who source good local produce and um, they import some well they, they also have local meat but they also import really high quality meat and uh, they're really good you, you were saying that's very much an experience uh, shopping it is, experience it is it yes especially on a friday or a saturday you see lots of people you know the butcher the, the family run it the butcher's been there a long long time he's in fact now raising his own pork so you can actually buy his pigs um and yes it's a very sociable occasion in fact at christmas if you go and order your uh, queue up for your turkey you can be in the queue for probably over an hour but it's such a sociable event it's (laughs) quite a pleasure you don't need to worry about wasting any time you see lots and lots of friends and people you know My thanks to everyone involved in this episode and to the sponsor of the Channel Island Way series, visitguernsey.com. More information about the Channel Islands can, of course, be found on the website should this series inspire you to try somewhere different for a long or short break. Our guide, The Channel Island Way, is published by Channel Island Map Specialists Coast Media and written by Blue Badge Guide Arthur Lamy. The book is available from Amazon.co.uk, priced at $9.95, and in visitor centres and book retailers throughout the islands. Join us next time as we continue to explore the west and north coast of Guernsey, learning more from Jill as we go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear more from our extensive free library, please visit the website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. You can now follow The Outdoor Station on Facebook, where we chat about each programme we produce, answer questions and discuss future productions. Why not join us there? This podcast is produced and hosted by theoutdoorstation.co.uk.